you can start recording now. Okay, tonight we are going to discuss Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson. And I did something a little different. I decided to get some information about the author. So, Ivan J. Watson, and he was born in 1971 in Stourbridge, which is in England in the West Midlands. Um, Before I Go to Sleep was written in 2011, and it sold in 42 countries around the world, and it also made the international bestsellers list. And I think it was translated into like 32 or 35 different languages. Different sites say different things. But a little bit about Stephen J. Watson. He studied physics at the University of Birmingham. And then after he graduated, he moved to London. And he worked in various hospitals, and he specialized as an audiologist in the diagnosis and treatment of children with hearing impairments. I thought that was pretty interesting. And in 2009, he was accepted in the first course of writing a novel, uh, which was held at the... um, Academy or the Faber Academy and this was actually a result of that class and after he was done he got an agent and got it published and the rest is history and incidentally it's being made into a movie and uh, it should be coming out sometime this year and Nicole Kidman is scheduled to play Christine and Colin Firth whoever that is is going to play Ben and Mark Strong is going to play Dr. Nash. So that's all the information I have about this book and the author. Um, So now I want to kind of go around and see what people thought of it. Yeah, Colin Firth is that British actor that was in uh, The King's Speech and amongst a bunch of other stuff. He's pretty popular. I I like the book. I like I like the movie Fifty First Dates too that that Adam Sandler did a, did a number of years ago with Drew Drew Barrymore, and apparently I'm digressing for a second because the, the subject of that movie for those who haven't seen or know anything about it is you know Drew Barrymore has a head injury and she loses her memory every night, and Adam Sandler starts a relationship with her. Of course, he he gets confused because each day starts new and she doesn't notice, but. Uh, uh, along the same lines, so apparently this is a real, real condition that happens, and, and it makes for an interesting kind of uh, mystery thrill, thriller because it's being told from somebody. You kind of, it's kind of hard to nail down because you don't really know what she remembers at any point in time. I got a little confused with some of the jumping around in time when she was reading the journal and stuff like that, but uh, I thought the suspense was really good, and I thought it did a good job of, of, of keeping you. Uh, 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 in suspense t- to the end, I-, I I wasn't able to figure out uh, how it happened, so th- that that helped too. And uh, I-, I I thought it was I thought it was very good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good too. Um, 
I'm really surprised that the author was a man um, because he was writing from the uh, point of view of a woman and he did a pretty good job of it. So I was surprised to hear that the author was a man. And uh, there was, in this book, a lot of irony. Um, the fact that um, the fake Ben, <laughs> the, uh, the one that was pretending to be Ben, sort of invented a fire in which they lost things and then he sort of um, died in a fire that he started, a real fire. I don't know. I found that to be really um, sort of a uh, an irony in the story. Uh, the suspense was very was um, very compelling. I did find a little confusion myself. Um, I did have to go back a couple of times and review what was journal being told in the past versus what was happening in the present. When I got a little bit confused, but I thought the character development was excellent. Well, first of all, I'm new to this group, and how I come to be here is that I had just read this book last weekend, and then I saw Bob Acosta's announcement that this group tonight was discussing it, and I liked the book so much that I decided right that minute to um, join you all. Um, I, about a half hour before coming uh, to the the gathering here, I reviewed the book and I realized that now I understand the time frame perfectly. I didn't understand it while I was reading it. But if you go back and review the um, first and second level headings, it's now very clear. Like that first day is actually the last day. Um, and that's why Ben is, I mean, Nash is bringing the journal back to her. But, and then you get into the journal, and then, of course, the last section is the last day when she reclaims the week of entries that were torn out. But, um, so the timing, now that I get it, is brilliant. I, I liked the book very, very much, and I want to say that I'm really proud of myself because I rarely um, am able to unravel mysteries and figure out what's going to happen, and I did. When when she got the letter from Ben from Claire, it hit me. Ben is not Ben. Anyway, I loved it. I think it's great. Yeah, I I really I really enjoyed the book. Uh, an awful lot. It was like because everyone said it was very suspenseful. Patricia Patricia Kilgareth did a really really good job as the narrator. She was great at it. Um, it was just it was just neat. I mean, all the different twists and turns. I mean, she keeps finding all these secrets and first it's like you know why did Ben why is he trying to hide things from her then you're like oh my gosh it's not Ben and then I, I kind of knew when she was at the hotel I'm thinking oh my gosh it's not Ben it's the guy who who uh, hurt her in the first place I'm thinking how's she going to get out of this one and I, I kind of knew when I found that I'm like okay I, I agree with Deborah. I really like too when you find out that you know the 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 uh, the, the, la- the uh the morning of the first journal entry we see in the book was actually the last day. I like how the author brings that together really well. It was it was very well done the writing and it was it was very engaging. I'm, I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I read it. It was a great book. Well, I liked the book as well. It was very hard to put down. Um, the only things that I didn't quite like was the fact that I don't think they developed. I think they they could have told how she got out of 
you know, how did Mike die? Or even if they didn't say that, how she got out of the fire. And also, the last sentence was, I went to sleep. So we don't know if she woke up having a memory or not. But other than that, I really did like the book. And I, too, loved the timing. It was great. It was a, it was a good book. Well, the one thing I'd like to say about that ending, I sort of like that when it leaves you in suspense and you can almost make the ending like you like. It was sort of like, if you remember The Sopranos, and um, when they had the last, in the series of The Sopranos, the last program, and they're playing Don't Stop Believing, and all of a sudden it just goes to black and silence. I, I assume the screen went to blank, black. I didn't have a, a sighted person. So you don't know if he got shot and that was the end of his life or, or what happened. You can sort of... You can sort of piece it together. I, sometimes, I, I know I'm a bit of a maverick when I read, but sometimes I don't like to be told how something ends. I like to come up with my own ending, and I like stories that allow me to do that, because if I don't like the way a certain thing ends, it's final, and that's it. But where there is some doubt about how it ends, I think it's sort of ingenious if an author can actually pull that off and make it open-ended. I guess I'll be the one negative in here. I didn't like this book. And I think part of the reason is I'm getting burned out on suspense kind of books that I don't think are written very well. I, I was glad to hear it was the author's first book because that was about the impression I had that, that there was certainly nothing that held you to the book. The characters were stock characters as far as I was concerned. I didn't see them developing. This loving husband, supposedly, you know, who turns out to be Mike or whatever the heck his name was. Um, and then he gets, you know, he's so loving and all this, and then he gets so horrible. Uh, to me, that's not consistent. Um, I didn't understand the bit with Claire in the park at all. Why did they bring in this ADHD child? I couldn't see any point to that. Um, and <laughs> Even though I read this book in Braille, I have to admit, I, I certainly got lost when they said she'd only been out of the home for four months. So will somebody explain to me, did, this, did they only live together for four months? Is she and Mike, and if so, uh, explain that part to me, because I got lost, and uh, I, I don't even know why I'm asking you to explain it, because I really don't care that much. But no, I... I, I won't be reading any more books by this author. I think that they did live together for four months. I think that they could have developed the part where she actually, because they told about how she got out of the hospital holding Mike's hand and um, supposedly Ben's hand, and I think they could have developed that a little bit more um, or put more detail into that. That's just it. He didn't put a lot of detail into some of the things he should have. But for a first book, it was a really good book. But what happened, I, I'm assuming, and maybe you guys can disagree with me, but um, I believe that, yes, they lived together for four months, but she was being told, Christine was being told by Ben slash Mike that they had been together for years. So this is what she thought. This is where the probably where you got confused because she was saying, 
you know, he was showing her photographs of them on a boat. And that, and that too, that was interesting, too. But I guess they said that he could have copied. I don't know. That was interesting, too, how they suddenly got photographs and of her on a boat with him. And that was a bit confusing to me. Well, yeah, I think that would have been confusing for anybody, whether they lost their memory or not. <laughs> um, because I was confused. In fact, I almost started thinking that maybe he wasn't the one who... Well, first I thought, oh, this isn't really your husband. But then I started thinking, well, maybe it is, because he has all these pictures and, and stuff like that. And by the way, I, I really enjoyed the book. I read it in like one day. Um, but I I was confused, too, about the about the months and stuff but I, I think that's what it was I think that she only lived with him for four months and I guess for the rest of the time she was at the hospital and then at that uh, care facility yeah well well the thing, the thing is I mean Mike he was he was too he was crazy he was completely nuts he was he was obsessed with her you know so he but he was he was crazy but he was very very smart because he did have the evidence at least to her mind you know that to say that you know, hey, I am Ben. You know, he was always like, oh, oh, just say you love me, and I'll, I'll be back the way it was before. I'm like, man, this guy is nuts. But like I said, he was very clever because he did have all the evidence to, at least before she found out that it wasn't him. To, you know, she thought that it really was him, and you know, trying to keep it was just, it was an inter- Mike was an interesting character, even though he even though he was crazy. But remember, she met this guy when. Her son was a baby, and they never did tell us, at least if they did, I lost it, how he kept following her all the time, you know, from then on to all these years he was in the hospital. You're trying to tell me that then they lived together for four months, and that's all the time they lived together. I just, I just don't follow this at all. Well, what that was all about was he, Ben and her had divorced, and Ben wrote, Ben, I was almost getting confused, Ben wrote her that letter, so he had basically divorced her, and so then Mike was the one who came to visit her, and there was such a high turnover at the wearing house that the staff didn't even realize that that wasn't Ben. That's why they let her go because she signed because she wanted to get out because she thought it was Ben. And he made them think that it was Ben and it was he was really good at what he did. So yeah, that's what that was all about. He was with her. Like he said, he said I was the one who I was the one who stayed with you. I was the one who never left you. Claire did, but you did, I didn't. And, of course, Claire left her because she, and I'm assuming that Mike, wrote a letter that said that she didn't want to see Claire again. So Mike really did well with the confusing part of it. And as far as those photos were concerned, it's amazing nowadays what you can do with computers and graphics. And so uh, the thing is, um, he, he, he skillfully and evilly reconstructed her life and rewrote it to the way that that he wanted it to be. And he um, came up with this false evidence to prove it. And it was, it was manipulation at its best and at its worst, if you know what I mean. And 
And what kept me on track was following very closely the dates of the journal entries. That's what really kept that's what really kept me on track as far as the time. And if I were to guess, um, because she was really remembering more and more and that finally she had a catharsis at the end with the fire and with um, seeing her her son and seeing that he was alive and things coming back to her. I'm willing to guess that maybe her problem isn't completely over, but I would be willing to bet that when she woke up the next morning that she's not forgetting the way she used to when she went to sleep if the book were to go on. That's just my guess, just from the evidence that was presented to me. I would have to agree with Carla because, you know, at the end of the book she said she could remember things, like I said, because of what happened to her. She really did remember what, you know, what went on, quite a bit of missing time that she had. So I also think that, I also think, you know, that, you know, that, when, that when she woke up, you know, that she would remember more because it was definitely, it was ending, it was ending on a positive note, not a negative note. So that's, so it's good to, so it's very, very good to assume that, you know, that the, that the, when she woke up that she would remember that's that's how I feel anyway. Well, it seemed to me that, yeah, especially because at the end of the book, she was starting to remember some of the details um, without having to be reminded. Like, she remembered seeing Claire, and she remembered, um, you know, um, what she had to drink, and that was stuff that she wouldn't have remembered, or she remembered what she was wearing or something like that, and that's stuff that she wouldn't have remembered before, so... Um, I think she probably would have remembered. Um, I was sort of mixed about the ending. I mean, a part of me really liked it, and because it sort of left you hanging, and you could imagine it. And then part of me is like, "Oh man, I wonder if she did remember." You know, all of a sudden it's over. Oh, but it, <laughs> and that's interesting what you brought up as as a symbolism about him dying in a fire when he said that, you know, uh, they had been in a fire. Um, the one thing I can't figure out is, like, all of her family seemed to go away except for this guy. And that part seemed a little bit unbelievable to me. That and the fact that, do you remember how many times she hit her head during that whole fight with Mike? I'm surprised she didn't get a concussion. I don't know, maybe that knocked some of the sense back into her head. I'm not trying to be flippant about this, but maybe uh, the the traumas um, actually, um, I don't know, maybe they helped in um, banging her memory back into place. I don't know. Stranger things have happened where, where in, I've read psychological stories about how people have amnesia and then a, another trauma brings back their memory. And I'm wondering if there was something like that going on. Yeah, well, I think they made the comment in the book that one of the doctors said that they couldn't find any, any organic reason for her memory loss or her amnesia and that... Uh, they seem to kind of be uh, uh, pointing to the fact that it was a, a trauma-induced thing. And, and, and certainly in those kind of cases, uh, uh, subsequent traumas can, can can undo them, I think. And I think that's kind of what they were in. I, I believe she was getting her memory back just because she seemed to be remembering more and more stuff as the book wound down, unless I missed something. Yeah, there's evidence as it goes along. I'd say about halfway through... Um, well, okay, from November 9th to November 30th, so it's 21 days. And about halfway through, there's a morning when she wakes up and there's a man sitting on a chair 
and she doesn't know him, but she's not frightened, and she's thinking words, and I don't remember what all of them are, but they're like Adam, Claire, Ben, memory, whatever, and, and she can't connect the dots, but she knows that these are all the elements that she has to pull together. And so there are various indicators sprinkled along the way that kind of give you the idea that little by little she's remembering. And, and you know, there are points where she says, I'm not sure if I was remembering or if I knew because I just read it in the journal. So I totally believe that when she woke up in the morning after the big trauma, everything was cool. And she and Ben and Adam, and what's Adam's girlfriend's name, lived, Helen, lived happily ever after. Hey, Jenny, and um, you can tell me to butt out if you want. I don't blame you, but um, there's a couple, I know it's sometimes hard to get in here, and there's a couple of people that I've noticed that haven't spoken yet. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, I noticed that Georgia is in here. Um, Georgia, would you like to say what you thought about the book? or anybody else that hasn't spoken that would like to. Jenny, if Georgia or somebody else that hasn't spoken is new, um, and maybe they're having trouble getting in with the mic, you might want to review um, how they can, maybe they're having some problems making comments. So just in case, do you think it would be a good idea to review? Oh, okay. Georgia says she doesn't have a microphone and she's just listening in. That's great. I just want to make sure we get everybody to you know, who hasn't had a chance to speak. So if um, anybody else wants to say anything, we'll just give you a little bit to do so. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll just go on. Um, and anybody who wants to can feel free to jump in. Um, I guess the question I have is at one point she says, you know, that it would be um, really hard to have a relationship with her. And um, I wonder what you guys think of that. I mean, do you think that it would be possible to have a relationship with somebody that wouldn't be able to remember what was going on from one day to the next? Well, it depends, because she's kind of learned to adapt by writing things down. Granted, um, I, I think that, you know, if it were a different person and they had that somebody like Dr. Nash or whatever to call them and tell them, don't forget to write in your journal or whatever, I think if they could adapt to that, I think that a relationship could be had. But if not, that would be a little difficult. Wow, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I, I, I think it would be really hard. I mean, because, you know, relationships are really a, a collection of memories, if you will. So it would take a really special person to be able to to do that. I, I, I guess if you're a sociopath like that Mike guy pretending to be Ben, it didn't really bother him, but uh, uh, I, I'm not sure you could pull it off with somebody that couldn't remember what happened from day to day. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I guess there could be workarounds, but uh, it, it would be tough, re re really tough. Um, this is Michelle. I'm sorry, I actually didn't read the book, but I, I do think that it is possible in a certain way to have a relationship with somebody whose memory is not that great, because it does happen all the time, particularly with people that are older. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of different ways that people communicate, and not only memories are not really the only way. Shared memories are not really the only way. So I've certainly, I, I've seen it in my own family where people have had 
you know, difficulties when they're older and their memories are really gone. And yet the people still have relationships. So in a certain sense, I, I think that it, it certainly is possible. Well, I think that um, it might be possible if, you know, it was with the right person. I mean, this guy <laughs> that she was with wanted her to remember things that really didn't happen to her. I mean, and I wonder if she was with Ben like she should have been, um, <laughs> if she would have remembered more because, you know, she would have actually been reliving parts of her life and, you know, referring to them instead of trying to make up a new life. I thought of that too, Jenny. I was wondering if, um, you know, when she woke up, she would see his face and realize, okay, this is my husband. Whereas when she woke up, she saw this guy. It's like, who is this? You know, who's going to remember their attacker? She's going to block it out, which is basically what she did for a while. And, but yeah, I, I think that if she had seen her husband, her memory, which I think was coming back, may have come back quicker. Not only that, I'm sure that Ben, the real Ben, would have definitely gone with her to doctors and stuff like that. I think the fake Ben, Mike, one reason he didn't approve of the doctors is he was he probably was thinking that if the doctor pried further enough uh, further that the truth would be discovered and he would be discovered for who he really was. So I'm, now that we know how what happened towards the end of the book and that it wasn't really Ben, now it makes sense that the alleged Ben didn't want her to have a relationship with Dr. Nash, um, nor Claire for that matter. This is Joshua. I think that um, it definitely, uh, I mean, it could be done to live with someone, but it would have to be a special kind of person. They'd have to be very patient, you know, because you'd have to constantly tell the person, you know, over and over again who they were from day to day. And that would be uh, would, would be difficult after a while, but I, I agree with what Lila what Lila said and uh, others that uh, that um, yeah, if Ben the real Ben had been there, that, you know she she would she could have you know uh, got a, might have got her memories back quicker. But like everyone said, she was getting them back gradually, so that was was a, a good thing for her. So it, I believe it, it could be done. Well, and see. At one point, she did remember her husband, and then she turned over, and there was this weird guy in bed with her. So she did start to get better, even just on her own from writing the journals. Um, so I think maybe if, you know, she would have actually had the things that really happened in her life around her, you know, and the experiences and the place she lived, I mean, she may have come out of it sooner, but, you know, I just... I just had to think about that, and then I saw the, the question listed somewhere, and I thought, you know, I wonder. <laughs> okay, well, the other thing I wanted to bring up, and I'm wondering if any of you guys noticed this, is that um, I guess the question I had is, you know, how did Dr. Nash exactly find her when none of the rest of the family couldn't? And the other thing I found weird is that, well, even her son didn't seem to be able to find her. And the other question I have is, how do you suppose that all of a sudden this all happened to her and then her husband decided to come back to her again when he had decided to get a divorce? Well, as far as um, how Dr. Nash found her, 
the impression that I got was that a lot of psychologists were wanting to talk to her and he was just the most persistent and the one who had the creative notion to contact her directly. Um, and then the other thing you have to remember is we, we don't realize until we're at the end, really, that she's only been out for four months. So that's not very long. I mean, she doesn't have any sense of that timing when she's writing the journal, but we do learn that at the end, that she's only been out for four months. So a lot of other things could have happened to unveil the, the crime of, of identity theft or whatever that was going on had it not been the psychologist. But, so that makes it work for me. If she had truly been living with him for years the way we thought, seeing it through her eyes, that it had been, then that would have kind of ruined the book. You, you could say, oh, that, I can't believe that. But four months, that's believable. And most of the last month, is when she's writing the journal. So I think it I think it works. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I keep forgetting that she was only out for four months, I guess because it always seemed like during the book that it was longer, you know, that she was out for years and years. Well, because that's what that's what Mike wanted her to believe. But um so I guess I guess in that respect it, it's sort of believable, but I I just I guess the the one problem I have is that it seemed like the whole time that, well, of course, I guess, I don't know, maybe people were kind of visiting her, maybe sort of a, well, I know she told Claire, or Mike told Claire to go away, and so, I don't know, it just, I guess the fact that her whole family kind of went away is just, um, but then again, maybe they just hadn't found her in those four months or something like that. I think the clue to the answer to that question would be in the letter that the real Ben wrote before he divorced her and how he um, did come to visit and brought um, her son um, and when her son was real little and how traumatizing it was, how he would cry and she wouldn't recognize him and how she would get upset and he would get upset and to try to keep a sense of normalcy, um, I guess since she wasn't remembering them anyhow at the time um, that she was staying in that facility, that he thought the, maybe the most humane thing to do for the child's sake was to um, to not come back because you know it was just continually opening up this this wound and. Um, and so that's that's the only thing I can figure out there, because there were several years that that did pass when 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 she was in the facility and everything. Um, but then she gave he gave the letter to Claire that whenever if she did recover to to give the letter to him uh, or to her to read from Ben. And so I think that sort of gives us a clue too and keep in mind too that that Mike had lied to her as well saying that the son was killed in a war and that Claire didn't care about her anymore and and um so uh and there, the high rate of turnover of staff at the facilities where she was staying there there were a lot of things that were converging against her there and that's how they all culminated at least that's how I interpreted it it doesn't bother any of you to
to believe or do you just assume that this Mike was so crazy that he waited around for like 25 years while she was in the hospital before he could get her out and she would come to live with him? I don't know a crazy person's mind, but if you're that obsessive, I guess you could be like that. I mean, if you remember, he even wanted to have the same cake as her. And then when she didn't come in, he was very upset. Yeah, I think um, his having a mental health condition, mental illness, is the key to understanding all that. But I have a question for everybody. I thought I remembered that she had a memory about a guy with a scar, and then at the end, there's the real Ben, who she loves, who has a scar. Does anybody remember where that was, the 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 scar memory and, and what it was? I remember it, Deborah, but I don't think they... Now that it's funny what you learn, what you realize when you're in a book club like this, because when you first read a book by yourself, me, I don't pay attention to a lot of things, and then all of a sudden when someone brings it up, it's like, wow, hmm, not, I remember, I don't think they said too much about that, but I think I remember her having a memory with the guy with the scar, um, I can't, I I don't remember if she thought that was her attacker, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- that's ringing a bell for me, too. I, I, th- I think they only mentioned it maybe one time. It was one of those passing flashes she had, and I, I, I sure can't remember what part of the book it was in. But uh, I, I think it was one of those things that just it flashed through her mind, and something was said about a scar, but I don't think it was mentioned more than just that time, that one time. This is where I'm thinking a book. I need to get the book from Bookshare and just search for the word scar because I think it was an important clue, sort of, that because I would like to think that when she remembered the man with the scar, it was a happy memory, but because that was who she really loved, but she couldn't reconcile it with this dude who's pretending to be Ben because he doesn't have a scar. That's, that's what I think. But anyway, need to get the book in text to find, find it because I'm not going to listen to the whole book again listening for the word scar no I don't blame you but I, I think you're right I mean I can't remember exactly where it was but I think it was a turning point and that she did remember the guy with the scar in a loving way and she realized that you know what's up this this guy that I have pictures of doesn't have a scar and yet he's my husband so I think she was kind of confused by that, and I think remembering that was definitely a turning point, but I can't exactly remember where it was. And as far as um, the guy waiting around for 25 years, you know, I, I kind of thought that was hard to believe, too. Like, when you find something else to do? But, you know, crazy people and psychotic people, you know, that are, are stalkers will wait around and unbelievably enormous amount of time I mean it is amazing how long some of them will will wait around but it's just interesting that he bided his time for so long and then you know he decided to to get her out of the hospital yeah yeah it it was a long time but you know crazy people do crazy things so you know uh, I I thought the, the author did an excellent job you know you know 
keeping all this stuff the way the interplay of how he how he did it all with the, with the uh, I, I'm glad Deborah mentioned that about the time. I need to go back and look at the time because that, that's where most of my confusion came through not not being able to keep the time in straight. But but now that she mentions that, that it, it makes a whole lot more sense. And uh, uh, the guy was pretty masterful at, at how he, he he brought it all together and, uh, and then kind of kept us kept us hanging to, to the end as well. I will say this: you guys are going to laugh at me. Because if you realize, her entries were in November, and they went from 23rd, 22nd, 24th, I think. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't they, why didn't they celebrate Thanksgiving? I'm like, oh, wait, hello, this is in London. No, actually, I was kind of wondering about that, too. Because they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in London, do they? Isn't that only Americans? And uh, I think Canadians do, too, but they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in England, do they? Well, every culture, not every culture, many cultures have their own days of, of Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving was based on something in our history, and their Thanksgivings are days of gratitude, like Canada, uh, Thanksgiving in Canada, I think, is November 12th or something. It's a different day, and the customs are, are different, and not every culture has a Thanksgiving. I know about a lot of cultures, only because I teach foreign languages and have visited a lot of countries but now since um, since this wasn't in America that didn't occur to me um, because you know I was I was keeping my mind on what culture they were in but I can see where somebody might think that that was strange until you until you thought it through well there weren't many English type expressions um, I mean, not that there should be a lot of them but I mean it was easy to kind of forget sometimes yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do find that very interesting because if you read, if you read someone like Martina Cole or uh, or Amanda Sue Heller, those two are English writers. You're going to get all kinds of, you're going to get all kinds of expressions. They didn't even talk about, you know, fish and chips, you know, fish and French fries, which, which kind of. I, I, I was a little surprised that they, you know, if you had read the book and you know just not paid attention that it was in England, you really wouldn't know it because of the. Ex- because it didn't, it didn't have, you know, the language of the, uh, you know, the expressions. That was, that was interesting because, you know, some authors uh, definitely have a lot more English expressions than this author did. That was, that was interesting. One thing I did notice that was different from a lot of American writing is instead of saying things like, well, it did say we had sex or whatever, they use the, and I won't say it, but they use the F word quite a bit in that content. Yes, it almost seems that that word isn't as offensive to them as it is to us. It's, and again, when you get into to the different cultures, it's it's funny. Words like bloody is really a very offensive word, um, but... Um, and and sometimes now it's it's um losing its offensiveness but just to give you an example if you call somebody a pig in german and in spanish and in in french um it's it's an insult i mean you'd get decked if you would use the spanish french and german equivalents of those words in that particular culture and uh, there are words that 
well, the, the female dog, um, you know, that, this, that um, we, the word that starts with a V is a swear word to us, but the Spanish equivalent of that, a dog is a perro for a boy dog and a perra for a female dog. It just means a female dog. And there, there's nothing attached to that word. No emotion, no nothing. So it, it's funny, but cultures differ in what language is offensive and what is not. And sometimes when you're traveling, one has to be very careful and really be mindful of some of these languages and even the gestures, some of the words in these languages and gestures as well as to what would be profane that may not be profane to us because you really have to be very careful. Well, I think that is the only thing, like you guys said, I agree, there weren't a lot of English expressions as such, but that... um, you know, the the um, free reign of the word in that content was what made me know that, okay, they are a lot different than we here in America. And that's, I think, what kept me where, you know, okay, we're in London, you know. Not only that, the narrator did a really good job, but I, I couldn't help but think of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Some of the foods that she cooked were different, and I can't think of a specific one, but that's one difference that I noticed and of course the fact that they had their tea and all that but then again enough people have it here too but um, some of the foods were different and like I said I can't put my finger on one of them to, to give an example but I know that some of the foods were a little different oh I wonder when she said she had cookies if it was a, a cookie or don't they have some difference there um a cookie was a cookie but usually in England they usually call they usually call cookies biscuits. You, usually, if the, someone says they have a biscuit and tea, it's usually a cookie. But I think in this instance, the author might have um, just used the American expression cookie because, yeah, usually in England, at least the books that I've read, um, a biscuit uh, is actually a cookie. So that's that was would be my impression. The author just changed the wording a little bit, I think. Jenny, I know you were way back in the beginning of the discussion you said about the author where he or when he was born do you know where he was born yes i do he was born in storbridge s-t-o-u-r-b-r-i-d-g-e and it's in the west midlands is that in england i don't know where that's at yeah it is and i think it makes reference in the author's note or acknowledgments or somewhere to his being um, a British dude as well. And I, you know, remember um, this book is set in 2007, so um, there's not going to be maybe quite as much quaint difference. I mean, I found the way that she referred to having a coffee. We don't say we're going to have a coffee. We say we're going to have coffee. And um, and then the frequent drinking of tea. And I, I don't know. I thought there were plenty of references. They weren't um, extreme, but, you know, they were more subtle. But there were plenty of references that made it clear that it was in England. And then, of course, all the geography. Um, you know, when they go to the coast and so forth. And I don't know, I, I think there are a lot of little... It seems to me there were some references in the park, too, that were different 
words than we would use. I don't know, but it, it's, it's British enough for me. Well, one of the things that they say in England, which I always find very different than here, is they eliminate the word the all the time. Like they say things like, I'm going to hospital, whereas we would say I'm going to the hospital. I don't know if they used it in that in this book, but that's a really, really common difference between England, English, the English of English language and our American language. Good point. Actually, they did um, not use the, like you said. That's a good point. I've noticed that, too, over the years, going to hospital and things like that. And I wonder myself why we say we're going to school, we're going to church. Um, but we go to the bank, we go to the hospital, um, they go to university, we go to the university. But why do we go to school and we go to church, but we go to the hospital? I've always, <laughs> ever since I've been real little, and I guess I was always sort of linguistically <laughs> conscious, maybe that's why I ended up in the career that I'm in today. But I always wondered that, um, why um, that s certain times we use thes and they don't, and vice versa. Well, a lot of our differences in, in, how, in how we spell things and say things is a result of our America trying to assert its independence from England. Things like uh, civilization, we spell with Z's where they do with S's and stuff like that. It, it was just uh, stuff that, that, that we tried to change to make us, you know, to uh, 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 make us sep uh, separate from them. And uh, uh, I'm sure probably some of the uses of articles are not, uh, it stems from that as well. No, but that's an interesting that's an interesting point about the university and university. You know, I've thought of that too, and you're right; <laughs> it's inconsistent. Um, so yeah. So um, anyway, I'm wondering if uh, anybody has any final thoughts on the book. Otherwise, we probably better get going and pick one out for next month. Alrighty. Well, I hope you guys have some great ideas for books for next month. So let's hear them. Well, I have a couple of ideas for books. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever read the, the um, um, Blindsided by Priscilla Cummings. Um, she was, um, excuse my apex, I'm looking for my notes on these things, but um, she was... Um, she was featured on Books and Beyond, and um, this this is a fantastic book. It's about a, a girl who is blind, and um, she's 14 years old, and she goes to a boarding school, and she um, she's attacked and has to sort of decide about her independence. I'm not going to get away. I'm not going to give away a lot of it, just in case somebody decides to read the book, even if we don't. But I thought it was a really very good book and then there's another one I don't know how you feel about this but it's called The Age of Miracles and I really loved this book it's called The Age of Miracles a novel and it's by um, it's DB74890 um, it's by Karen Thompson Walker and it's a short read it's only 7 hours and 39 minutes and it's about 11 year old Julia wakes up with the morning um, after a sleep over to discover that the world has begun to end and as the earth slows throwing the balance of life off Kilder Julia and her family must find new a new sense of 
ordinary and it has some strong language but this book even though there's a science fiction theme running in the background where the earth is slowing and the days are getting longer and longer so you might have 60 hour days and long nights um, and what happens to the earth and everything the real power in this book is the character development and how these things affect the characters and I, I just finished the book about a month ago and it's really great but I but I I liked those two books. Those are two of my um, suggestions. And then a third one that I would have is Do You Dream in Color? It's by, um, um, it's called Do You Dream in Color? Insights from a, um, a Girl Without Sight. And it's by Lori Rubin, who is a blind opera singer. And it's sort of an autobiographical book. And they interviewed her. Um, Bonnie Blows interviewed her on Books and Beyond as well. That's what got me to read this and Blindsided. Um, I think Blindsided they, they did Priscilla Cummings. The book does have some mature themes, and you'll see why when you get into it. But I thought it was a good book, too, and it also has some humor. But those are some of the suggestions that I've had in my mind. Um, well, this is Michelle. I'm, I'm not sure now if I'm supposed to be involved in picking books for other groups at all. So um, I just wanted to say that what Carla was saying, I read The Age of Miracles about a year ago, and it is a very, very good book. Um, it's kind of a combination of a coming-of-age story, and there are science fiction elements, but I am not a science fiction fan, and I don't think you have to be a science fiction fan. There's a few little scientific things that are, that are in the book, um, but it's a family story. It's a coming-of-age story. It's a story about how people would react to you know, a, a huge environmental change, and it's a very short book also, so I, I would agree it's a, it's a really good book uh, for book group. And I've also read that. I almost think we read it for novel ideas, but maybe not. I know I read it for a book group. Maybe it was for sci-fi, um, but I don't. It was for a book group I was in. I know that, and it was here. But it is a good book. I love the description. Um, very detailed. And Michelle, I have to agree with you. I think it is a coming-of-age book. Um, it's um, yeah, it's a really good book. We did the Age of Miracles for, for, for Rebecca's book group, uh, Leela, um, which that's when I read that. I read it for a book of my own. Uh, Age of Miracles is a, is a very good book, but um, I, I have a suggestion for a book that, um, that I read not too long ago. Oh, I forget the author, but um, the book is called Drums, Girls, and Dangerous Pie, and it's a really interesting book. It's a short book, but it's interesting because it's about a... Uh, a boy, his name's Stephen. He's, he's kind of your typical teenager, good at good at drums uh, and everything. And um, his little brother Stephen is kind of a kind of a annoying, but he cares. Uh, but uh, the main character cares for cares for his little brother. But uh, the little brother gets cancer, and the whole book um, has to do with how the how the older brother um, how the how his little brother getting cancer, how that kind of affects his life, and how he kind of has to come to terms with who he is as a brother and how it, you know, it, it, it's definitely a family story. I really enjoyed it. So um, I'll, I'll throw in a bid for uh, Drums, Girls, and Dangerous Pie. But Jordan Sonnenblick, I think of the author, is something like that. If this group um, has a rule that books have to be available from Bard, then my suggestion may not be appropriate 
Um, but I read a book a few weeks ago that, you know, if they stick with you for a while, then you have to think they must be pretty good. Uh, it's a young adult book called The Fault in Our Stars. Maybe you guys have already discussed it. But um, I liked it very, very much. It's, it's relatively short, and it's told from the point of view of a 16-year-old girl who has stage 4 cancer, and it's all about the, the relationships that she forms in the support group. And she's, it's, a, it's a romance. It's, it's um, just really great characters, and it's a great look into adolescence and the process of being ill and accepting death and all that stuff. And it sounds grim, but it's not. It's, it's, it's a really nice book. Salt and Our Stars uh, is on Bard. I, have, uh, I, remember I downloaded it before, so that is, uh, that is on Bard. The Fault in Our Stars by... Uh, who is that? Who is that? David Green, I think? He, I know I've heard that author before. John Green. And it's interesting. He's a 30-something guy who wrote this amazing story from the point of view of a 16-year-old girl. But it, it really works. Really, just a really nice book. Did, now, Deborah, did you read it from Bookshare or from somewhere else? And uh, I tried to check if it was on Bard, and we probably all remember that, that Bard is down now because they're down for maintenance this weekend. So, uh, I trust Joshua's uh, uh, memory, though, since he has—I think he's got like the second biggest collection next to Bard on those uh, external hard drives of his. So, I, I, if he says it's there, it, it, it must surely be. Well, Deborah, it is on Bard because it, I, I've downloaded that book myself and I have it on one of my flash drives. I've not read it yet, but I have heard that it's a very, very good story. And yes, it's definitely available on Bard, The Fault in Our Stars. And I think it's um, John Green is the author. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain of the author because that's, to me, that's kind of always one of the most important elements of a book is who wrote it. I. I raised my children to say, see that you always read bylines. Who wrote it? That's important. Um, but anyway, I to answer Alan's question, I got it from Audible. Um, it was one of those times in the last few months where they had some kind of sale. And so I bought a bunch of books that I might not otherwise have, have read. And then... Um, Apparently, this, this book is really popular because um, after I got it, I just seemed to be hearing people mention it. I didn't really even know much of what it was about, but yeah, it's, it's good. Now, it'll be interesting if the Bard narrator, um, if they, you know, purchased or scooped the commercial book or have a different narrator because we all know that can make a little bit of difference, but... Um, I think you all will like it. Well, I vote for the fault in our stars if, if I said the name right. But, hey, I just have one vote. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to vote for that one for this time, too. Uh, I third. I'll take it. I've been reading books about cancer patients lately for some strange reason, but uh, I guess I can read another one. Uh, if my sky out, the fault in our stars, I've heard a lot of good... A lot, of good thing, a lot of good things about this author. I've read one of his books before that unfortunately isn't on Bard, but uh, it, it, it sounds like a good sounds like a good book. So I'll do uh, I'll do the Fault in Our Stars as well if that counts for anything. I'm happy with the choice. 
Great. Well, then it'll be that. And um, I will get the number when Bard's available, unless somebody knows what it is. I'll try to read this book. I just lost two dear friends from cancer, and I'd like to escape from cancer for a while. It just seems like every time you turn around, somebody's got cancer. But, but I mean, that's just my personal thoughts. But I'll probably be a sucker and end up reading the book and hope it doesn't emphasize the cancer too much because right now I'm sort of sick of cancer. Well, you know, we've all had cancer in our lives. Um, but... I promise you, this book is not depressing. It's it's wonderful, and it's the kind of thing that you know. It's a young adult book, but like so many young adult books, the older you are, probably the more you grasp and appreciate it. And I found myself thinking. I hope a lot of English teachers in high schools and colleges are requiring this because it will probably prompt a lot of really important discussions. But I promise, it's not depressing. I would have to say the same thing, even though I've not read the book. I had to say the same thing with, uh, with the uh, Drums, Girls, and Dangerous Pie that I read by Jordan Jordan Sonnenblick, and also the sequel, which is called Ever um, After Ever After, and uh, which those two books it really kind of shows how families can kind of come together, you know, in the face of if they, somebody a loved one has a leukemia or a cancer, how they can come together and kind of become you know help each other out with their the. The books are definitely kind of sad, the ones I read, but they're not, but they're not uh, depressing. And uh, I just finished a, well, yeah, so it's, his books are definitely interesting. I've never read books like this before. It definitely uh, gives you a lot to think about. Okay, John, if you're still there, you can stop the recording. Yeah, and, and, well, maybe it'll get us away. Sometimes I'm getting a little wary of these explicit descriptions and all that, um, and um, by the way, if we ever decided to do the Age of Miracles, I just wanted to tell you, and I know that might be down the world, down the, uh, you know, a little bit later, if never, I don't know, because if some other group did it here, where I got it is, um, when I got interested, I am a science fiction person, but I read the Writer magazine, and they interviewed the author, and um, when I read about her and how she wrote the book, that's what got